All right, like I said, good afternoon. Um, it's been, let's see, oh, right around six or seven months since last time I preached. Last time I preached was on God's sovereignty um, at a camp that I work at over the summer. Um, and just please have grace with me because uh, <laughs> it's been a really long week. Um, I started off this week uh, finding out that my wife had had a miscarriage. Um, Maggie um, and I were excited to announce the pregnancy, and, and then now we're mourning the loss of our child. Um, we both felt that she was a young lady, so we gave her a name to be remembered by. Um, we gave her the name Adelie, which means God is my refuge, um, because throughout all of it, uh, despite how much it can hurt, uh, God has continually been our refuge um, in all things. Then, on top of that, uh, last night I had our car keys accidentally stolen by the parking lot manager when I was going to pick up my little brother Isaac from a Philadelphia Boys Choir concert, because he sings with the Philadelphia Boys Choir. And on our way home, we got into a wreck. Somebody four or three cars and three or four cars in front of us decided to brake check the car behind them for an insurance claim. And so it ended up being a four car wreck, um, just one person after the other, and we were in the back. Thankfully, nobody hit us from behind. Um, and so all that to say, <laughs> God has continually been faithful um, through all of that. And not only is he faithful when we're faithful to him, he's faithful in our unfaithfulness as well. So I'm, I chose Hosea. It's actually my favorite book of the Bible. And uh, when I first told Maggie who my favorite character in the Bible was, she kind of laughed at me. My favorite character in the Bible was actually Gomer, um, which sounds horrible, but I relate to Gomer on a personal level. Because I recognize my own unfaithfulness. Um, so that, and God, and obviously Hosea was the example of God in, in buying her back. So uh, the book of Hosea starts off um, uh, in Hosea 1 explaining the different kings that Hosea was under. So Hosea was actually under uh, five dif or four different kings. He was under Uzziah first, then King Jotham, then King Ahaz, then Hezekiah of Judah, and then Jeroboam II. But he actually served the longest under Jeroboam II. Um, his total ministry was about 60 to 70 years. Um, and he is one of the longest serving prophets in the Bible. Um, his book is actually considered the first of the minor prophets. Um, and he is actually a contemporary to the book of Isaiah, or to the prophet Isaiah. Um, so that means he ministered primarily toward the northern kingdom of Israel um, in about the 8th century BC. Uh, so that being said, I'm going to read Hosea 3 again, um, just because uh, it's important to uh, repeat so we can remember what Scripture says. Um, and it says uh, in Hosea 3.1, And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a latex, or Lathek, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that, of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you, for the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. So, that being said, um, the, uh, if you keep reading the wife that, 
God told Hosea to get was Gomer. Gomer was a prostitute, and she actually, it seems, enjoyed her prostitution. She left Hosea several times in order to go back into prostitution. She sold herself back into prostitution, and each time God commanded Hosea to bring her back, to go buy her back. Um, obviously, Hosea was the image of God's faithfulness, and Gomer was the image of Israel's unfaithfulness. Um, and so that's why the theme of Hosea is God's faithfulness to an unfaithful people. So um, basically, Gomer's continual uh, selling of herself back into prostitution was symbolizing how the Lord continually sought after Israel and never turned his back on her. Another great example of this is in the book of Judges. If you read the book of Judges, there's a pattern throughout the entire book. Um, that pattern basically goes like this. The people, they were doing good. They started to worship idols because everything was going well. So God sent uh, a people group or an oppressor to go oppress them. The people cried out to God for help. God sent a judge. The judge defeated the oppressor. Everything was going good, so the people turned back to idols. And it's just this continual circle over and over and over again of how Israel was doing that. Now, this is uh, several hundred years later, and it's the exact same pattern. Um, Israel is still following the Lord when things are tough. Then as soon as the Lord delivers them from tough times and allow and blesses them and allows times to be good, they forget God and start attributing the things that God does for them to the pagan gods, the pagan deities, and to the um, and to Baal. They start saying that like Baal was the one who was blessing them. So naturally, uh, God sends a prophet. So what he does um, when the in the time of kings there are prophets. Before the kings there were judges. Um, so God sends a prophet, and in this case, it's Hosea. So like I said, Hosea um, served under Uzziah, Jatham, Ahaz, Hezekiah of Judah, and then finally Jeroboam II of Israel. Now, the thing about Jeroboam II was Jeroboam II was extremely uh, militarily wise. He was very tactical. Um, and so at this point in time, Israel had just won several major military victories. And so they were like celebrating. Things were going good, you know. And they fell back into their same exact pattern that they've been falling into of, of following uh, the other pagan gods once things went well. So... Uh, that being said, however, um, as Israel's fortune continued to climb, as they continued to win these military victories, the morality of Israel's society basically just collapsed in on itself. Um, corruption and spiritual depravity ran rampant, and Israel began to worship the pagan deities um, and attribute the works of God to Baal. So in Hosea 4, 1 through 13, um, it's actually like the Lord uh, accusing Israel uh, through Hosea about um, their sin of this idolatry. Uh, so I'm not going to read that, but basically uh, God says, there's no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven um, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Um, so it goes on to talk about, like I said, how the people were worshiping Baal and attributing God's um, power to Baal. So not only were they attributing the works of God to Baal, the people also were breaking their covenant with God and stopped obeying his laws. So Hosea 6-7, I'll pull that up real quick, um, says this, But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt faithlessly with me. 
right? So then also 8.1 talks about it as well. And it says, uh, set the trumpet to your lips. Oh, like a vulture is over the house of Lord because they have transgressed my covenant and rebelled against my law. So those are two examples later on in Hosea that start talking about how Israel had actually broken their covenant with God and stopped obeying his laws. Um, so uh, they also stopped trusting in God and sought foreign allegiances and alliances. Um, Hosea 5.13 mentions this. Um, the reason that this was an issue was because the Lord called them to trust him and to trust him with their wars, to trust them with you know, protecting them. And they stopped trusting God. So they started looking for alliances with surrounding uh, pagan countries. Um, so Hosea 5.13 says this. Um, when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to the great king, but he is not able to cure you or hear your wound or heal your wound. Sorry, my bad. Um, and so they had gone uh, when Ephraim saw sickness and Judah's wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria. And sent to the great king. Um, and God is here saying, but he is not able to cure you or heal your wound. So they started looking to Assyria. Well, if you guys know anything about Assyria, they were the worst. <laughs> like, I mean, they were absolutely the worst. Uh, Maggie and I were discussing uh, just today, actually, about Sennacherib, um, the Assyrian king who would literally fillet people. He was, he was uh, a terror. Everybody was afraid of him. But he would just fillet people alive and he would either eat their skin or feed it to them. And... Um, so the Assyrians were awful, yet um, Israel here, under the reign of Jeroboam II, has decided that they no longer trust God for their protection and is going to Assyria, who of course was the natural terror of the, the known time uh, and, the, and the world power of the known time for protection. So all that to say, they had stopped obeying God's laws, they had broken their covenant, they stopped trusting God, and they had begun to worship these false gods. Um, that being said, uh, their idol worship and unfaithfulness were equivalent to spiritual adultery. So their idolatry was equivalent in God's eyes to um, adultery. Um, if you think about it, uh, Gomer was committed to her adultery. She kept going back. She kept uh, just over and over and over again, despite how faithful Hosea had been to her. And the Lord was trying to use this as an example to Jeroboam and, of course, everybody else, because in the time... Uh, prophets would speak to kings and kings would speak to the people or even have the prophet themselves speak to the people. Um, and so uh, Hosea's, uh, God is using Hosea to try to give this example of faithfulness, of what faithfulness is, even when somebody is unfaithful or even when, in this case, the whole country of Israel is being unfaithful. So throughout Hosea's entire ministry, he called out uh, Israel for their idolatry, all the while living uh, with the very frustration that the Lord had um, because just as the Lord was frustrated with Israel for continually leaving, so as uh, Hosea gets frustrated with Gomer for continually leaving, well, actually frustrated with God for making him uh, marry Gomer in the first place. But um, so anyways, uh, so what was Hosea's purpose um, with King Joe, jo, uh, sorry, King Jeroboam II? God sent uh, Hosea specifically to warn the king of coming judgments if Israel would not turn away from their sin. Um, so, uh, let's see. I'm going to go back real quick. Yeah, so he talks about, and the reason I chose chapter 3 instead of another chapter was um, because he talks about, first he talks about um, uh, Gomer. Lord's telling Hosea, go back to Gomer. Go buy her out of prostitution. 
Um, and so that's the first example. Secondly, um, it talks about how uh, Hosea is talking to Gomer saying, you must well as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So I also will be to you. So Hosea is expressing to Gomer, he's going to be faithful to her just as he expects her to be faithful to him. And then it goes on to talk about how the children of Israel will dwell many days without a king or a prince, without a sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. And after they've dwelt many days like this, then only then shall they return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. So uh, chapter 3 is kind of laid out, first talking about how Hosea had to buy back Gomer, then talking about Hosea speaking to Gomer, telling her that he's going to remain faithful and that she needs to as well. And then finishing off with saying that the children of Israel, because of their sinfulness, will be judged for a period of time until they come back to the Lord. Um, like I mentioned before, it's a perfect example of how I, uh, the whole book of Judges works, where basically the people were doing good. They started worshiping idols because everything was going good. God sent an oppressive force. In this case, Israel was being attacked from all sides. Uh, they just continually are throughout the Bible. Um, although in this case, they didn't cry out to the Lord. They cried out to Assyria. Um, so the Lord is going to punish them for that. And that's Hosea's warning to them. Um, so then I have an expert, an excerpt here actually from a, uh, from a study that I was reading just yesterday. And it says, Hosea's wife, Gomer, practiced unfaithfulness as a lifestyle. When she conceived and bore children, God told Hosea to give them prophetic names, symbolizing the Lord's judgment on Israel. So in chapter one, it talks all about their three uh, daughters and the names that uh, Gomer and Hosea give them. And each of these names is based off of a judgment that's coming to Israel if they don't repent. So the first child is uh, Jezreel, which foretold a great massacre that would happen in the valley, Lo in, in that valley. Next was Lo Amin, and that means not my people, signaling God's rejection of Israel until they return back to him. And last was Lo Ruhama, which means not favored, a reversal of God's earlier description of Israel. So um, Hosea 1, 4 to 2, 1 talks about how as long as the people continue to reject God, um, God will reject them. Um, as soon as they turn back from their sins and repent, then God will welcome them with open arms yet again, as he wishes to do uh, even with us in our unfaithfulness. So um, Hosea's message was very clear. Sin, sin brings judgment. Hosea warned of painful consequences, invasion, and slavery. Not satisfied with her relationship with Hosea, Gomer sought other lovers, just as Israel had pursued other gods. And as God promised to call Israel back, he told Hosea to redeem Gomer from slavery and welcome her home. While God's punishment was severe, his grace was far more extraordinary. Even while the people worshipped idols and descended into depravity, God never stopped loving them. They were still God's people. He was still ready to welcome them home as soon as they realized that they needed to repent. Um, but until they repent, they were living in rebellion and sin. And God cannot welcome rebellion and sin into his household. He cannot um, in any way, shape, or form ever endorse um, sin and rebellion. So um, that being said, Hosea's bold-faced depiction of Israel as an adulterous wife reveals both the extent of God's anguish over the betrayal and his love for his people. More than anything, God longs for an intimate fellowship with us even when we repeatedly reject him. The metaphor also reveals God's enduring faithfulness towards us, because ultimately the goal is for us to return to a fulfilling life marked by dedication and devotion. So God, uh, it says in several places in scripture that God chastises those he loves. Um, and God chastises 
those he loves for the sake of bringing us back to him. God doesn't uh, punish out of just pure spite. Um, most of the uh, chastisement, punishment uh, that we face due to our sin is God trying to have us recognize that we need to go back into uh, fellowship with him. Um, uh, this says, Yahweh's love is eternal. His enduring faithfulness is not like a human love that can make a solemn vow and then break it. The definitive message of Hosea is the promise of God's enduring love. Even when we are unfaithful, God continues to love and cherish us and provide a way for our restoration. So we see this very clearly throughout all of scripture. Israel is continually unfaithful, just continually. And yet every single time they're unfaithful, God provides a way for them to be restored back into fellowship with him whether that was through the judges, later through the kings and the prophets, and then eventually, um, as we see Christ um, coming, dying, and being the ultimate sacrifice for uh, the ability for permanent restoration. Um, obviously, uh, Israel is not what it was. Obviously, you know, we are <laughs> not Israel, but um, it is shown very clearly um, throughout all the New Testament that God's final um, uh, provision for our restoration with salvation through Jesus Christ. Um, so that being said, the last, uh, thing that I had was the, uh, second Timothy passage that we read earlier. So, um, I'm just going to turn there real quick. Second Timothy two, one through 13. And so, uh, the reason I chose this passage as the new Testament passage was it talks about different aspects of a faithful person. And then also talks about how, the word of God should be entrusted to faithful men. And the reason it should be entrusted to faithful men is because faithful men will preach it. Faithful men will share it. Faithful men will continue um, uh, sharing the gospel with, with uh, as frequently as they can, with as many people as they can, um, because that's part of what faithfulness to God is, um, as we see in the uh, end of Matthew. So uh, this just, I'm just going to read, Second Timothy two again. Just a second, I accidentally turned to First Timothy. Okay, it says, "You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules." It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for, if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So if you'll notice, all of these are, are it starts off with uh, good things. You know, if we have died with him, we'll live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. But if we are faithless, he still remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Um which is kind of cool how Paul did that, writing to Timothy. Um, and then further back, you have the athlete who, you know, is, is following the rules, but he's uh, still running the race, as in another letter says. Um, you have the farmer who is faithful 
in uh, his hard work, so he ought to get the first share of the crop. And then you also have the soldier who uh, doesn't get entangled in things of this world, as, as the New King James Version says, or as mine says, in civilian pursuits, since his, na his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So our aim, our life goal, um, ought to be uh, to remain faithful to the Lord in all things. Um, my own personal example of that is uh, I really struggle uh, to read scripture every day. Just personally, that's a struggle for me. Um, and it's, But it's still a symbol of an unfaithfulness. It's still me being unfaithful to the Lord because we're commanded to meditate on it day and night so that we can do all that is a, a written according to it. Um, and so I, that, when I say I relate with Gomer, obviously I'm not out here uh, as a prostitute, but I'm absolutely out here being unfaithful to God in what seem like smaller ways to a lot of people, but I see them as just as grievous because it is still being unfaithful to God. So that being said, um, I would encourage everybody, just like a small encouragement, to uh, when you go home today, think about like what is a way you might be unfaithful. Like obviously, I'm never going to be unfaithful to my wife, you know, Lord willing. I mean, I can't imagine that ever happening. Um, I'm not going to be unfaithful in like going to work. You know, I get up and go to work every day. But, but there are smaller, seemingly smaller ways that I have been, and that includes getting into a better habit of reading scripture every day. Um, even with my wife reading scripture. So um, as we think about that, uh, you guys are free to read the rest of Hosea. It talks about how God's going to judge the people and then the Lord uh, still welcomes them back uh, and restores them after their unfaithfulness um, as long as they're faithful to him. So that's all that I have for you today. But thank you guys.